You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I am Matt Baker. I perform a comedy and stunt show. And I'm Louis Fox. I do uh, magic tricks, comedy, and hand shadow puppets. <laughs> and we both have performed at the Moisture Festival for a number of years. So welcome to the podcast where we give you a peek behind the curtains of the performers and the people that make the Moisture Festival happen. You get a little, little bit of a look at their journey to getting on stage and a little bit about what they do in their time off stage. So welcome and be sure to check out all the episodes of the Moisture Festival podcast because there's a lot. There is a lot. And if you aren't familiar with the Moisture Festival, it's a four-week festival celebrating variety arts. So that's hula hoopers, magicians, people who bounce on their hands, acrobats, pretty much anything you can think of. It is the largest festival of its kind in the entire world, folks. In the entire world, it's the largest festival, and it features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, but they have a burlesque venue that runs for one week only, and get your tickets for that early because that always sells out actually 95 percent we've crunched the data louie yes. 95 percent of the shows sell out so if you're listening to this in the months of march and april be sure to go to moisturefestival.org and get your tickets today yes especially if your bucket list item is to see the opening show get them now absolutely this week we have master pain on the podcast he's a magician who performs at the festival, but you may also recognize him from Renaissance fairs around the Northwest. We talked to him about how he learned magic, where he came from, how he came to perform at the Moisture Festival. And his experience on some of the very first Jim Rose Circus sideshows. Absolutely. It's a great interview. We hope you like it, and let's get to it. Master Payne in the Moisture Festival podcast studios. Yes. Welcome. Who knew they could afford such lavish studios for Moisture Fest? <laughs> this is better than the theater. It really it's, is. It's, we're kind of encompassing the the overall feel of the Moisture yeah. Festival. Does it smell like hops at all? Very eclectic. <laughs> Now, Payne is a master performer, magician. He performed all over the United States. He's beloved in the magic world and at the Moisture Festival. Yes. Ooh, what am I? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I was beloved. So, so, so you're a magician. You do um, historical-based performing. Is I like to say I do character-driven performing. I started out in Ren Fairs, which are about as historically accurate as any Robin Hood movie you've ever seen. <laughs> but I liked to I liked to what I call a, a immersion performances, where everything you do is 
in the context of the performance that you don't do something that that will take you out of the moment like like the penny in uh, somewhere in time i want uh, every, even though the stuff isn't historically accurate it looks and is presented as if it is historically accurate okay so i stay away from plastic props and and uh Cards with indices on them and, and oh. modern, you know, modern reference. You don't have your um, iPhone jokes. I do not have my iPhone <laughs> jokes. So. You don't have your Master Pain jumping around hip hop references. Sprinkled through. I save that for my birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> And so, where did you start? Are you from a Seattle native? No, I or? grew up in uh, Yakima, we, a small town in central Washington, and we used to live way out in the country. And by the time I moved, we we were almost in in the downtown, and we we never moved. <laughs> the town town grew up to to encompass our house, but I I spent you know, twenty four years there one day. Uh, <laughs> pretty normal childhood. Didn't really have all that much interest in magic. I remember my sister getting a magic set for a birthday uh, that I played around a little bit, you know, watching the Magic Land of Alakazam. But nothing really, you know, took until I was uh, at 11 when we went on a vacation to Knott's Berry Farm. Well, oh. Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm in Point South in, in L.A. And I, we, but we visited Knott's Berry Farm first where I went to the Magic Cave Ooh, that, was, that was a ride, or no? It was a magic shop. It was a dude's van. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was in the, it was in the uh, car park there, and uh, there was this guy who said, "Hey, kid, you want to see some magic?" You know, no. It was uh, it was probably the hands of the greatest magic shop or neatest magic shop I've ever been in because it was in the side of a terraformed mountain, and it was a cave. I mean, oh, cool! Uh-huh. And it was like in the Gypsy Village. I'm not even sure if it's still there. But I bought my first two tricks there, which was a little set of Adam's linking rings and a mental photography deck. And then when Mike Caveney just published his big op- magnum opus a couple of years ago, I went, was reading through his early days and then realized that he was working in the magic shop that year. Oh, wow. Oh. And so there's a really good chance that he sold me my first trick. And he's a very influential... He's a very influential magician. And he performed at the Moisture Festival two years ago. Oh, he's performed there... Like he's been there at least twice. Okay, and I think he's coming back this year. Uh, How cool is that, though? Yeah, but it is right? really cool. And then when I when I told him about it, he, he said, "Well, I'll hold up my end." So, <laughs> so, so if you ask him, yeah, I sold my. Like, I'm responsible. Yeah. I sold. I'll take credit for and, your you know, your or, or successes. The blame the blame. You know. <laughs> if only I had said, "Oh, this isn't for you, kid. Just move along, move along." You know? And so, where did your interest in performing and this come from? I mean, I sort of followed my sister's footsteps because she was in the drama program in our high school so I sort of went into the drama program and did stuff both backstage and on stage and so I just sort of you know for three years in high school was in a lot of theater things and then for a few years outside in community theater and then I basically just sort of got out of community theater because it's full of people that just don't really care. You know, they just yeah. and say, you know, you kind of want to be in charge of your own production and, and rise or fail on your own level or, you know, own skills and not rely that, you know, I was a, I was great, but the rest of the cast sucked. <laughs> they, they, they didn't even know what was dress rehearsal tonight. I think I've heard you tell a story about seeing like a school assembly magician. Yeah. yeah. And then you were just like, I'm just going to be a roadie for the week. That was Tom Ogden, actually. Okay, um, he came through town, and I, I because it, I was involved in theater in high school. I was also on the stage crew, which means we crewed 
shows that came through because we had the second largest theater in town. Ah. And so a magician named Westbrook had come, came through, and he was the official magician at the uh, Spokane World's Fair. And so we kind of hooked up, and then they had a little convention over Halloween in Spokane that I hopped on a, on a bus, a Greyhound bus to go to. And uh, Mickey Hades was actually there. That's the first time I ever saw Mickey Hades actually performing and, and lecturing. So Mickey Hades um, used to run a magic shop in Seattle that on First in Washington that closed a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But he also boasted, I think, the largest collection of magic books in the world. Yeah. There's also supposedly some sort of uh, possibly a house on Capitol Hill filled the rims with his collection of magic paraphernalia, but I've never had that verified. But he was an avid <laughs> avid collector. And avid. I, now, now that's my new thing. Now thing you got to find it out. Find you're it a peeping Tom. No, I'm just looking for magic. <laughs> <laughs> there must be magic in here somewhere. They're like, um, someone's trying to rent out the house. They're like, all right, the only caveat is you can't touch any, of these, touch books. any of these books. Or, or these weird props. Don't, don't touch anything. Yeah, um, I, for 300 bucks a, a, a month, yeah, I, I yeah. live with some magic props. It's the sweetest Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, so I you know, met up with Westbrook and stuff. And so uh, Tom Ogden, uh, later the next year, was coming through on a school tour and said he stopped at Spokane. Then he called me to say if I could put Tom up for a couple of days in my mom's house. I was still living at home. And, and how old were you at this time? I was just right out of high school, so I was 17, 18. Uh, I like that it's like Can I a magician putting up another magician. Well, Both I, you living in mom's basement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think I could yeah. stay at your yeah. mom's I'm house? I'm like, Mom, there's a magician coming. <laughs> so he, you know, he arrived in his station wagon, and you know, just being out of high school, just had graduated that year, didn't have a job. I just roadied with him for like a week around all the local areas, and and uh, picked up. A, a lot of knowledge and understanding, and, and, and uh, it was a, it was a good experience. You got to see a working professional magician at the age of eighteen. You got to go on the road with him. Yeah, you, you got to let him stay at your mom's house. <laughs> well, my house. I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was still living with mom. Because I just graduated. So you got I, you got the full circle the full of what circle performing, of life, what performing is like. life is like. You know, this is what it's like, which is why I've never done this full time. <laughs> I want that steady, steady uh, income and, uh, and insurance. Kid, if you work hard enough, one day you might stay at some teenage <laughs> magician's mom's house. No. Yeah. So, are there challenges? You mentioned having a, a day job, a nine to five. Yeah. Like, are there challenges being a professional magician with that? There are, um, mostly uh, from other professional magicians who look down their nose at me because you're not professional because you don't give, you know, I. Just reviewed a book a while back that said, you know, professional magician is somebody who derives, you know, seventy eight percent of their income from from magic. <laughs> so specific, yeah. But why seventy eight? <laughs> yeah. Because that's how much you derive. From yeah. <laughs> so we're just basing the line on what you make. Classify myself as a professional magician because of the quality of and and the work that I put into it. And uh, but I don't derive my sole income from it, so that makes me a amateur or what I hate, semi-professional. Oh, I yeah. I call myself a part-time professional. There you go. Yeah. Well, the so the actual designation from the International Brotherhood of Magicians is 51% of your income. Oh, 51. Gotcha. Okay, mm-hmm. so, well, that, I will become, if everything goes well, I will be becoming a professional magician this year because I'm hoping to retire from my 9 to 5 after 23 years of 
doing that. But but you know the nice thing about a nine to five, it allows me to do the magic I want to do. Not Absolutely, the magic I have to do. Yeah, it. I can turn down the. You know, I don't want to do Tammy's bar mitzvah. Yeah, you have the luxury of saying, saying no. no. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the amount of times I've had to be like, oh, I'm a little bit short this month like i gotta go yeah, do this gotta, crap gotta, gig yeah yeah and you're like right and then you, and then you just beat yourself up for a month about oh i'm, I'm not worried oh I'm it's hard. demoralizing oh, yeah. yeah it can be a roller coaster yeah it, and that's 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 the big problem about doing that is that you end up with these gigs from hell that you just feel like crap from and you're sort of going you know i shouldn't have to do this but you know it happens to everybody you know yeah, yeah. Know. well that's the cool thing about the moisture festival right is like you're not only you're with other performers it's like the audiences are are there to have a good time they're generally pretty smart and i feel like an audience member watching your show you have to have a level you have to be <laughs> like yeah. you are like you know i have friends that keep saying oh you should submit me for the moisture i go no you're you just have a standard act yeah this is not the moisture fest just wants sort of things kind of off kilter uh-huh. well you'd bring a very specific style of storytelling and speaking and your show is very smart yes yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, like sometimes I've seen you and I'm like, I don't know. I don't get, I don't get half those references. I know there's I got, a joke in there. Can you give me like the re- required reading to get <laughs> yeah, these there, next there time? A, there is a gloss. If you look under your chair, there, there are footnotes that explain all, all the jokes. And, you know, it's like, and I, I don't care if you get the jokes. Yeah. They're, they're just for me. And if, if you happen to get them, that's more power to you. It's like I, my, my multiplying bottle routine, which is based on explaining the basic concepts of quantum mechanics and most of the audience is just sort of sitting there staring blankly but I'll hear little pockets of laughter and I'm going oh there are all the engineers (laughs) (laughs) they're the ones that are getting all these jokes well that's something I I enjoy in my show which is nowhere near as smart as yours but having something that's a joke for three people yeah yeah. yeah, which is most of my show. Which is good because it really tells the audience, "Hey, th- this is funny. You just might not get it." Yeah, you know. And and, and I respect you enough not to make you feel stupid yes. by having. Why didn't you laugh at that? Yeah, I have a I have a couple of magician friends who are like that. They they like they don't get any of my jokes, so I have to. You know, you know, I'm like, yeah, no, no, just move on. Yeah. Don't worry about it. it is, you know, it's just the, just adding to the flavor yeah. of the thing. Well, well, and you need to learn if nobody's getting your jokes, maybe you should rewrite your jokes. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was like uh, Bob Zaney, he's a stand-up comic. His thing was he would tell a joke and it would get that kind of smattering of laughs and then he'd go off mic and explain it. Mm. It was, yeah, well, that's your style. Your, st- your stuff's kind of ethereal. Like, I want to say you have like a. Sh- do you have a Schrodinger's cat? Yes, that's in my bottle. Reference or like it's a whole bit about Schrodinger's yeah, it cat. Yeah, starts off by, by explaining Schrodinger's cat. So you give the information to the people. Before, yeah, I, I, okay. Yeah, because I, I have to explain the, yeah. the concept of Schrodinger's cat about being both alive and dead simultaneously, and because that sets up for the the, the joke later. And that we're this is the theory we're going to uh, uh, demonstrate today, not with a cat because it didn't work out well in rehearsal. <laughs> but instead of these two cylinders, you know, it, and it's a long set if we go. It's great. It, so I never see people dozing off or walking out. I, I have enough energy and, and keep it to a level that it, it's it's fun. Well, it's not a lecture. Like, it's not a lecture. Yeah, yes. I keep going on like a college professor and say this is the trick with the bottle. And people, you'd lose it, but I, I, I give it with enthusiasm yeah. and gusto. And, and people are kind of curious about what, what I'm doing and where I'm going with all this. Do you ever get like letters from people where they're like, I didn't understand your show at all, but it did inspire me to go get a master's degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did the bottles once for a city event. Uh, actually on the stage of the Paramount, which was really 
cool that they had rented out for the day and the the, the booker said and i I, I had no idea what you were talking about, but then all of a sudden, all these bottles came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so there, there is the payoff. Yeah, that is the nice thing. Yeah, yeah, I always have a payoff. Yes. And if I didn't, then people would be, well, why did we just sit here and watch this? There's not, you know, this is, yeah. you know, this is stupid. It's worth sitting through. So. Yeah. Well, that's what I say with, for like our shows, it's like, if you don't like the jokes, at least there's something to watch. There yeah. is something to see. You know, yeah. like a skill being performed. And if you don't like those, at least there's... Skill? Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> you set the bar too high. Um, you know, it's, it's what's called the Barney Syndrome. It's just it's like why a lot of people don't like children's entertainers is that there's nothing in it for them mm-hmm. because they're playing to the three-year-olds. Yeah. And uh. go, well, you, what you want is the Animaniacs approach where you just sort of scattershot. There's stuff for the three-year-olds, but there's also stuff for the adults. Yeah. So everybody's having a good time absolutely and it's not like going hi kitties i'm biffo the clown and oh look my flower keeps wilting oh isn't that horrible the audience are going oh where are the alcohol i I have to have a drink to get through this so i you know i just can't do that unless there was a really good punchline that the adults would get (laughs) this this is worth the eight minute drive in (laughs) yeah and that is probably one of the reasons why magic castle called you one of the best children's entertainers in the world yes they did but they were speaking about a large group of us, but I use that clip anyway. So it's, it's, <laughs> He's like, one of these people up here. One of these people is the, can you guess which one? It was me, it was me. me. Oh, yeah. yeah. I so. mean, your career has spanned so much stuff. Yeah. I mean, you've done libraries, you've done schools, you've done theaters. I mean, didn't you just get back from like Virginia City? Yeah, I did a wedding at, in Virginia City at the uh, Piper's Opera House with my wife. Some of my wife's cousins were getting married, and they just they wanted me to perform there. So I got to perform this historic. Oh, that's cool! Historic theater, and then you know, two weeks from now, I'm, I'm off to Blackpool, which to, is one of the wow. largest magicians' conferences. It is the largest, probably outside of FISM, but it's the largest regular yearly magic convention with like four thousand attendees. But there, but there got to be some things in China and or the Orient. You'd Asia, think Asia that are be larger, but you know because it has such a large. Not this year. Population. Well, it, it, they're actually having it. You just can't leave it. <laughs> the coronavirus is derived from a, bad, a card trick gone wrong. Yes. I mean, you not just do like kids. You were in the original Jim Rose sideshow. I was you? in the original Ooh. Jim Rose circus sideshow. I was in the very well the second show. How did that come about? Oh, that was well. That was Mickey Hades' fault. You know, that was back when pretty much all I was doing was Renaissance, Renaissance and medieval fairs. And so Jim comes to town. And goes to Mickey Hades and asks if anybody does any kind of weird stuff. And so my name comes up because I was always associated as doing weird stuff. And I'm going, yeah, I'm doing egg bag, linking rings, dive bar. Oh, I'm really out there. <laughs> I'm re- but I'm always, you know, I'm doing it in character. Yeah. So, so if that, you're not a magician, you're doing, you're doing that, standard that, tricks that, in, doing a standard tricks, yeah. in a unique way. In a unique way. So he calls me up on the phone and, and like all the little kind of alarm bells goes off. Going, oh, I don't want to be involved with this guy. But it turned out he was like living six blocks from where I live. So I, I go there to see him and I, I teach him hand and trap and human block. Anyway. So that's where you put your hand into an animal trap. Hand into an animal trap, which I learned out of an Ormond McGill book. And then human block, uh, Tom Ogden actually taught me when I did that tour with him. And that's where you nail a giant no- nail into your n- nose. N- into your head, yeah. Yeah. 
And then he showed me um, his bed of nails and facing glass and stuff, which I was already you know, fairly familiar with. Uh, so he had this dream of doing this geek show. I'm just sort of going, well, knock yourself out. <laughs> yeah. and then, but he said, no, oh, I want you to be in it. I want you to be in it. So I said, all right. You know, I can't make the first one, but I can make the second show. And so he spent like two weeks just papering Capitol Hill. And it was at, uh, it was a belly dance bar on Capitol Hill, but I'm not even sure if it's still there. I don't think, it's like the Casbah or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. And so with my wife, and we're driving up the road looking for a place to park, and we pass the restaurant, and there's this line going outside of it, and the place is packed. And I'm like, going, oh my God, there's, there's, a, there's 500 people. Wow. There. So I, I go sit down, and I'm doing hand and trap, because that's what he wants, and that was the only spot in the show towards the end is hand and trap. And so I, I did it. So I was in the the second uh, Jim Rose Circus Sideshow. And that's the show where he, he met all the Marvels at the end of the show. Mm. You know, Tim Pin and, and Matt the Tube and mm-hmm. Mr. Lifto uh, sort of uh, yes, were, 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 were I, in the audience. And they, they sort of formed the, the group. Oh, wow. And I, I just ran into Mr. Lifto in Austin. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a tenant bar at a place. I don't even want to ask. Okay? <laughs> He's lifting, lifting booze bottles. Lifting, lifting booze, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I was in the infamous Cafe Sophie show, and that's when I you know, ran into um, the Enigma before he was the Enigma. Ah. And we had actually So worked... the Enigma is a, the guy who has the puzzle pieces yeah. tattooed yeah. over his entire body. body yeah. And now he has horns. He has and horns. Pierce and piercings. He was in the X-Files. Yeah. 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 And, but I, had, I actually worked with him in a, as a warehouse job several years before <laughs> so, I, so i'm sort of going paul what are you doing here and oh i'm with the group I'm with the group now i'm going okay yeah. you know so he had actually taught himself how to swallow swords which kind of shows you his, his motivation that was long before youtube right so oh, much yeah. more yeah, dangerous was, to was, sort of yeah and no one to show i mean i can yeah. see and you look what i'm doing you know well, while was, you're working in the in the warehouse yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah that was that was a kind of weird kismity kismity thing but yeah so i i was did several shows in the seattle area because it was just one of those things that was just the perfect storm caught fire that jim rose well there was all there were all these uh grunge places Mm -hmm. that had nothing going on tuesday wednesday thursday night Ah. and so he just offered to show up and it just went bonzo crazy and I had protégéed under the Reverend Chumley for mm-hmm. several years, and you know, Rose sort of a, just was like, "Oh my God!" Because he would look face glass. I got my face in the glass. Oh, look bed nails. I'm on the bed of nails, and I'm like, "Oh my God!" Sounds like there's a Doctor no, Seuss book. There's no storyline. There's yeah, no there's sort no, of there's no build up. Yeah. There's not. And I'm like, "Oh my God!" Chumley gets. 20 minutes out of the bed of nails. Yeah. Easy. You know, you're, you're going, to, you just went through seven hours of material right there. Yeah, right. So he kind of eventually learned a little bit more showmanship, but he really, he really wasn't a gifted showman early on. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. was so, so much more, more of a gifted promoter. Yeah, he was just sort of into the shock, the shock value. Yeah. How did you get involved with uh, Reverend Chumley? He, went, oh, he was yeah. on the first Moisture Festival. Uh, yeah, the yeah. tent, the tent, tent belonged. The, yeah. The, yeah. yeah. I had a friend that got involved with this thing called the SCA, which is Society for Creative Anachronisms, which is a medieval reenactment society. Mm. He threw up air quotes. I can't do do air quotes on the radio. Um, You know, that celebrate the the Middle Ages as they should have been, which shows you just how much attention they give to their uh, authenticity. But because I was a magician, you know, they're always looking for different types of entertainers. So that's how it got into the doing the historical based magic. And then one of the guys in that group started a 
uh, medieval fair called Camlin, which is still going out in Carnation nearly 40 years later. And Camlin, they do everything period there, right? Again, in quotes. air quotes, period. Um, every every fair and historical organization I'd, I've ever been involved with, the owner always has their own version of what's uh, authentic. Mm-hmm. So they try, but there are, there are, it's difficult to do. Halfway through the fair, yeah. uh, three quarters of the attendees die of some sort of plague. Oh, you have the black mark. You must die now. Yeah. Here, go, go, go sit in this pit, pit of... Uh, well, that was like you have to change in your money for the king's gelder oh, to go in. Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. then I went. I didn't. I had this like. Yeah. I gave him like forty bucks, and they had these coins. I'm trying to get like a water, and I'm like, ah. Uh, yeah. We we take PayPal. Yeah. <laughs> we can Venmo me. <laughs> uh, like the third or fourth year, they brought Chumley in to perform there. So that's where where I met Chumley, and we we kind of hit it off, and basically he taught me how to take the simplest effect and just make it into this like lavish production. Ah. And so that's why I end up doing these things, you know, that take 20 minutes to put the coin in the bottle. So, you know, and I, I, I wrote it for him off and on over the years. And he liked me because I would remember all of his props because he has no short-term memory left. So mm. he would walk on stage without like half the prop. And like, <laughs> How many years you've been doing this? Here's your dog hoop. Here's the, here's the lighter fluid. Here's the lighter. Here's your clothes. Yeah, yeah. But he's a great guy. And is that how you got connected to the Moisture Festival? No. no, I did a party with him years ago in just a bizarre hall up on Capitol Hill that is basically right underneath the towers. Mm -hmm. And the sound system, you turn the sound system on and it plays radio. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this isn't good. But Tom Noddy was there and and doing doing some stuff. So I met Tom Noddy through Chumley. And, you know, and then go a many number of years forward when Tom Nutty came through town on a uh, lecture circuit. And I was president of the local magic club at the time. And I'm like, going, oh, this is just going to be sad. No one is going to come see a Tom Nutty lecture because they don't know who he is. Yeah. You know? So we had a lot of clowns show up, but very few magicians. So I took him out to dinner afterwards. And we were just talking. And he said, you should do Moisture Fest. Oh, I'll put cool. your name into oh. it. And I'm going... Oh, okay. You know, I'd never really thought about performing there before, which is weird because the theater's like 10 minutes from my house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so that's how I got into Moisture Fest. It was through Tom Noddy. Yeah. So you can blame him. <laughs> you know, just pop his balloon. Listen, because you got pain in here. Well, <laughs> I, I, always, I always say that I love Moisture Festival being in Seattle because all my friends come to perform in the festival and I get to see all my friends. Yeah. I don't have to go. Normally, I see my friends one at a time across the country every other year well, or something. Well, you that's know? why a lot of the people do the Moisture Festival is because they know that they're going to be there and they're going to see their friends. Yeah. And it's just an amazing, you know, the, the, the talent they get under one roof for you know that long. And it is the largest variety arts yeah. festival on the continent. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the other part that's great about it because you can go there and watch it and go, really? You make a living doing yeah. that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. It's, I've got to go to Europe. I know. <laughs> it's When I walk away, I'm like, because normally I'm like, I am the one weird guy in a show. Yeah. yeah. But then like I walk away from Moisture Festival shows, I'm like, I am like the most normal person here. Well, I can't believe these people yeah. can, can make I it. I saw a show of a guy and I thought at the time it was the stupidest thing in the world. His act was high-fiving people. It was literally... Six minutes of him high-fiving people. And I'm like, this is stupid. But then a gig came by that he would be perfect for, and I recommended it. 
like I recommended probably a dozen gigs. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like the jump roping girl. Oh, Renee, Bebo. Renee, yeah, yeah, Renee. Great, great act, but you just think, really? You you jump rope? You yeah. Know? Wow, you can make a living. Yeah. Jumping. Now she jump ropes really, really well. Yeah. Well, she was in Cirque du Soleil. And yeah. She choreographs for Cirque du Soleil now. And yeah. Um, well, I remember the first time I worked with Renee, I did a gig and she was closing. I'm like, what the hell is a jump rope we're gonna do? Yeah. And I'm standing in the back with a guy who's a one man band, Eric yeah. Haynes. He's like, yeah, what's a jump rope we're gonna do? And then you watch her. Oh my god, I'm glad I didn't have yeah, to yeah. follow her. Was that our show? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot like I, you know, magic convention in England, uh, like five or six years ago. And because it was in London, and because London's super expensive, the convention has a lot of people that just come for the day. And so they do the gala show three nights in a row. Mm-hmm. So it's like being in a real show because the next night you get to come, oh, I'm in a show. And you're sitting there going, you know, you're looking at this going, wow, God, this is like, this is like the best variety show I have ever been in. There's not a single clinker in the, oh, God, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, right? You have that, oh, if, yeah. If you can't see the yeah. bad act, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm the baseline act. Oh, I hate this. I think that's why they put me first in the Boyster Festival yeah. all the yeah. time. You can only go up from here. <laughs> I mean, you've pretty much done it all. Are there any venues you haven't worked that you want to work? Oh, God, I can't think of anything. I really haven't. You know, things just pop up. I mean, like last year, I did a show in Tacoma in what was Ray Gamble's all old house. And he was an early mover and shaker in the magic community back in the 30s. Mm-hmm. And he has a house where he built a magic theater slash illegal casino in, in, <laughs> in his basement. And it's still there. Sands the illegal casino part. The slot machines are all gone. But there's this, still this little stage there. And so I got to do a show on this little wow. historic stage. So you have what I'm counting. I'm on your website now. It looks like you have seven to eight different characters that you can perform. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I've done more, but those are the ones that every year the, the, the libraries have a different theme to their reading program. So I would always try to fit into the theme. Yeah. And if the show was good enough, I'd say, okay, there's reason to keep this. So you know, I have the cowboy show and the oh, this cool. goes over really good at Blue and Golds and the pirate show. and the. Now, when you're doing yeah. the summer reading program, are you like promoting books? You're like, the kids are reading Dr. Seuss. You're like, no, we need to focus on... Poe and <laughs> no, no, Hemingway, I, the true classics. Come no, on, I, kids. Yeah, stop reading this. <laughs> this garbage. You're, you're seven. It's then, time for you to move but on. But then you're, <laughs> P.S., here's a comic book I'm a character in. Yeah. Read that bad boy. <laughs> yeah. You can get the picture. It's time for you to open up Ulysses. There you go. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. But. but kids, we like the magic. We just didn't get the references on <laughs> yeah. if the, is the cat dead or not. We don't know. <laughs> I'm going to try this when I go home. <laughs> no, 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 don't put your cat in the box. You've written books for magicians. A couple. And put some of your, your routines out there to the magic world for them to use. Yes. Have you ever seen a show and unexpectedly went like, that's mine? No, I haven't actually seen anyone performing <laughs> my material. But I, you know, it's I, a lot of words <laughs> to memorize. Yeah. That, and that is the problem. I do have, you know, my stuff is quite lengthy. When I submitted the Da Vinci Code card trick to Mum years and years ago. Mum is the magazine That's for the Society of American, American Magicians. Magicians. Okay. Uh, which stands for, get ready, Magic, Unity, and Might. Ooh. <laughs> and I, I don't belong to any any uh, magic society. Well, I, I, I'm a member of the Magic Castle, but I... Because you actually have to try out for that one, everything else. You know. But nonetheless, the guy who... Um, 
Larry who published it. <laughs> Larry. 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 <laughs> all these long names. Like, Larry. Yeah, Larry. I just I just lost his last name because I'm horrible at the names. But uh, he published it, and then he would always tell me when it showed up in the meeting minutes because you know they publish all the. Oh yeah. Uh, so there would be people describing them doing this trick, and he's going, "No one ever gets their tricks performed." So this is this is something unusual that people are actually ah. perform, performing your trick at the, at the magic club at the magic club. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's always neat. Now, since you've written some magic books, are those available to the public, or are they specific specifically for? Ma- no, they're specifically for magicians, but they are on, on the uh, uh, penguin. If you go to Penguin Magic, the, both of them are there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sometimes but... the jokes are just for me, and <laughs> tricks you might be able to do. <laughs> Okay, and, and gotcha. That, since I'm now going to be retired, hopefully this year, I will finally sit down and write the medieval magic book up. Uh, oh, that's great. Then, no, I'll sell at least six copies of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hot market. It's a hot market. So, But it's, it's, it's more than less just a sort of, you know, historical purpose. Uh, you know, vinyl made a comeback. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Historical magic. <laughs> historical magic, well, yeah. yeah. But it, it kind of is in a weird way that, I mean, I know a lot of magician friends of mine that perform in cabaret shows don't do like I do where I go out and I'm me they yeah. go out and they're like I'm a renaissance not renaissance rena- but you know a renaissance Victorian Victorian yeah there's a lot of people character. doing Victorian yeah. 18th century century stuff yeah <laughs> and so you said you're retiring soon hopefully and okay. from so, the day job from the regular from the, from day the job, job yeah. what is next for you just con- continuing to uh, entertain the masses entertain the masses I'm going to try to start the Santa Claus business up so oh yeah that's why I'm letting the beard grow out long because uh-huh. I've, I've started to do Santa Claus it, you got the circle circle I've glasses I've always had the circular glasses because I do the renaissance fair uh-huh. so I want to have lenses that at least look more period than uh-huh. horn, horn room stuff but I'm going to be trying to grow the Santa Claus business so that I have, you know, more substantial gigs in the in the yeah. winter time, at least in, you know, November, December. So you're going to continue to perform at the Moisture Festival, do some Santa Claus work, continue with the libraries? Libraries, Renaissance fairs, and whatever odd gig comes my way. But I, I will have to start to sort of build the birthday business and the whatever other gigs there are locally that I can and I'll start start doing to uh, well your name augment. comes up pretty often when I work with you know magicians on cruise ships and stuff oh really and yeah your name has come up well, a few different times thank god he's not here so yeah that was that yeah. one time we were hanging out yeah, yeah. oh yeah uh, maybe, maybe that was just Louie maybe that it was, was a big echoing yeah. room so it sounded like your name was mentioned a lot no I think I, you know I think Dave Williamson has brought you up and someone else has brought you oh, up well, yeah that's that's kind of when I knew I made it the other thing that I'm really known for are my PowerPoint presentations which I do at conventions. Uh, and I started them when I went to uh, do Magic and Meaning, and people were, uh, McBride was so impressed that he just kind of pushed me out to do uh, other things, and Magic Live picked me up. And that's when I kind of came into the public view, is when I walked out on stage on Magic Live and did this presentation, and everybody's going, who is this guy? <laughs> He's obviously been doing All this right, a while. All right, students. Yeah, so, so I, I became sort of... A, a, Minor household name. That's great. And uh, th- then that's when I knew I made it because I was, I think, the next Magic Live. David Williamson came up to me to have his picture taken. Oh, that's. And David Williamson's a very famous. Very well known magician. He's yeah. traveling with the show Circus 1906. Yeah. Uh, Three. 1903. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just, I'm just saying that, you know, you there's a lot of notoriety. Yeah, there, there is. I am. A, I am a, a respect I, for you. I am work. a known entity. And yeah, yeah. there are people who. who uh, re- respect what I do because I don't do a lot. So I, it's like you know, a friend of mine says, "Why is 
clarify the best science fiction program ever made because it wasn't on long enough to screw it oh, up. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. right? And it only had seven episodes, so yeah. they couldn't possibly make a mistake. You know? <laughs> so you know. I love it. And if people want to find more information on you, they can go to masterpainmagic.com. Yeah. And you also have a Facebook presence, and yeah, Payne Fryfield is my, and then there's a, a Master Payne's Magics is my fan page. Ooh, but is it yeah. magic is spelled K Y M A G K E F M A G Y K E F. Okay, I'm illiterate. Um, <laughs> okay, you expect us to spell it? You can't even spell it yourself. I mean, if you just do Master Payne, it comes up. Yeah, you know? if you just if you just Google Master Payne, you'll get a lot of hits. Some of them me. Well, we want to thank you for coming in. We really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Hey, folks, want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Real quick, the Moisture Festival is dedicated to keeping the ticket prices to shows affordable, and they do that by relying on individual donations. You can donate financially or volunteer. To get more information, go to themoisturefestival.org and click on the Contribute button. You'll get all the deets there. Absolutely. And if you want to just follow the Moisture Festival, you can do that on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or you can just go loiter outside of the Palladium <laughs> at Hale's Ales. That's a way that you can follow them. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we also do a podcast on our own called The Odd and Off Beat podcast that's where we talk about strange news stories of the day you can hear us chat about all things weird absolutely you can do that odd and offbeat.com or wherever you get your podcasts if you want to find out about us individually where we're performing at you can find louie at louiefox.com and that's with two x's and matt's at comedystuntshow.com that's spelt regularly (laughs) (laughs) so we would like to thank you so much for listening so much for your time and we hope to see you at the moisture festival soon be well Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast.